0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Greater Alton Church. My name is Tim. I'm glad you could be with us this morning. If you're a guest here, we're really excited to have you. Today, we're uh, we're going to cover eight points, but only four of them today. Almost got you, didn't I? We're gonna we're gonna. Ha- There's eight points in this lesson, smart work. I want to talk about, but we're only going to cover four of them today. The next week, we'll cover the other four. All right. Uh, I don't know how it is for you. Do you? Uh, you might say I'm a hard worker. Yeah. Or are you a smart worker? You'd be surprised how many different answers you're going to get. Maybe even your employer might even have a different answer than you have. We all like to think we're smart workers. But smart work is just as important as hard work. Look at this verse here. Uh, This is in Ecclesiastes. And look at the Bible. This is is Solomon speaking. And Solomon says these words here. He says, using a dull axe requires great strength. Then he goes on to say, so sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. Notice he's saying that that hard work and smart work go together. In fact, smart work makes work a little easier when you stop and think about it. Abraham Lincoln said these words. I think he's kind of echoing, got the idea, I think, from, uh, from Solomon. If I had six hours to cut down a tree, I'd spend the first four sharpening the saw. That makes sense. That's smart work. You see, in your lifetime, in our lifetime, we're going to spend a lot, of moments with major decisions in our life, especially in the workplace. We're going to ask ourselves, we're going to try to, try to answer questions like, what, what kind of work do I want to do? What kind of career, in other words, do I want to have? Where do I want to work? That's important too. Where do I want to live? When We're where close to work, far away from work. You know, when, when do I need to look for another job? Maybe it's time to look for another job. This one just isn't working out. When is that time? When's the time to start looking for another job? Or should I go back to school? I've had several people say to me and ask me at times, should I go back to school? I'm thinking about changing my careers. This, this, this field I've chosen has not panned out as like I expected. Should I go back to school, learn another trade, and get back in the workforce? And maybe, maybe it, you've, you've asked this question as well. Should I start a business? Should I just start something on my own and see what happens? I've had several people who started, some of you here in this crowd, have started a business, and you sit down with me and ask me. So, Tim, how do you how do you start a business? And I gave you my answer. I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> well, I, but I but I did. I said, well, I got some ideas. I can tell you how it worked for me. I've been in the auto glass business now almost 30 years. I can't believe 30 years of my life putting in auto glass, and I enjoy it. I want to tell you, I enjoy it. It provides provides income for my my family, so I don't have to take a check from the church. And and I've always been. It seems like it's since the start of this church, I've been bivocational, and I don't mind it a bit, folks. Uh, it, it, does it give me more power to say what I want to? No, no, it doesn't give me any more power. Uh, I've, I've learned that too, but I can tell you that I've enjoyed. I'm enjoying what I'm doing, and um, it can be tough sometimes. But I've been. I've, I understand what it means to start a business and maintain a business, um, and it takes smart work, lots of smart work and there's lots of decisions you have to make in the workplace, ha, you've got to make them any place, right? Lots of different places we make, we have major decisions that face us and you might, might sometimes be a little bit stressful to do that, but i got good news for you this morning, uh, there's a guy by the name of Solomon who was the greatest businessman that ever lived, Who spent he wrote a handbook on work, it's called the book of Proverbs, I really it's my favorite book of all the Bible, Proverbs is an amazing book. Because you you read a lot of different principles about work ethics and what it means to work, and today I want to share with you four of eight of those principles. Now there may be five. I, I want to tell you I may have lied to you. There might be five next week. So give me a little latitude here, but I know I know there's eight here. I want to look at. Let's look at four of them this morning, though. By the way, these these principles have been tested. They've been tested and tried, and they they do work. And uh, so I want. That's why I want to talk and really answer this question on how to work smarter, how to work smarter, because when you work smarter, it's much, much better for your life. At the same time, I want to make it clear to here, to you all of us here. This is not this series is not about what you do to get a paycheck. It's about what you do everywhere, whatever work you do. If you work at home, if you, if you work as a, as a homemaker or as a mother or a father, you work, you work in your neighborhood, you do volunteer work. It, in fact, it's beyond the workplace. The principles we're looking at this morning, you can use any place in your life to, to help you approach life smarter with more wisdom. So what are they? Well, let's get right into them. The first principle in working smarter is I check my Bible. If I want to work smarter, I'd start. That's a very that's a very important step. I check my Bible before I do anything, before I consider anything, before I even consider someone else and what they think. I check what God thinks. I check what He would say. What is His perspective? I brought here on the stage. This is um, you say. What are those, Tim? Well, I dug them up. Uh, I have them filed. This is about two inches thick. These are all the owner's manuals I have. And the, uh, like, um, well, let's see. Here's one for my cover on my pickup truck. The owner's manual on how to install that little cover. And here's one on a garage door opener. There's my garage door opener manuals. And then I'm looking a little bit well, here's a little bit further. And oh, there's my air conditioning and my furnace I bought back in 1999. Uh, there's a there's an air tool that we've used before. It's a little fine knife there. Let me see what else. Here's my welders. Uh, are you catching what I'm looking at here? Uh, the table saw. Don Yoder had me buy a Ryobi table saw. I said, "Oh, that's a great table saw." I have the owner manual. Aunt, aunt, manual there, Don. Right there. There's a there's a charger in here. There's drills, floor jacks. Uh, there's urethane electric urethane guns. There's jigsaws. Here's a rivet gun, and here's the latest one to the collection. Ooh, 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 ooh. It's a one-inch belt sander that I got from Harbor Freight. Now, it may only work for a couple of weeks, but that's all right. I have the owner's manual in case something goes wrong. And in it, it says owner's manual and safety instructions. And also, it probably has an exploded view of all the parts. Look, here's one here. Here's a rivet gun. has the parts. It's called an exploded view. So if something breaks down, all i got to do is match the part with the number, order the part, and then I'm good to go. Have I made a point yet with this? Do you see? Look how thick it is. Everything I own. Man, you guys, you have owner's manuals, don't you? Anybody else got owner's manuals, right? You guys keep them in a file? Or are they scattered throughout the house? You know, you've got one in your car. You may not pay attention to it, but you have one in your car. Whenever the car breaks down, the light goes on. What's that? I don't know. Open up the glove box. Look at the owner's manual. When this light comes on, you're in trouble. When this light comes on, man, you better run, you know. Check the oil. Stop here. Do this. Whatever. It tells you oh, every time. What is it now they've got a thing where when you change the oil, you have to reset the computer? I never remember how to do it. And so I always have to go to the owner's manual. And inside the owner's manual, if you look at my one of my Dodge, uh, by the way, I just paid off my truck this month or this last month. It's finally all mine. Whew. And inside, I had it for five years. I've made payments for five years. Okay, I did one of them long payments. And inside, I open it up and I'm changing the oil. And I open up the owner's manual. And there, where there's oily fingerprints all over the pages, is where I always go to how to reset your computer. You know, do this. Hold this button down. Turn the ignition. Hold your tongue this way. Press on the pedal three times. It's all that, you know what I'm saying? It's all that weird stuff. But without it, I wouldn't know what to do. You know, God has given you and I an owner's manual. In fact, it's His owner's manual because He owns you and I, and He says, "Let me give you a copy. That way, you can know what to do with your life. If things aren't working right, the red light's coming on. Eh, 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 eh. Oh, there's what's wrong right there. I need to hold oh, my tongue this way, on a gas pedal three times. You know, I got to learn how to to work it, learn learn how to apply it, and it'll make my life much better." And, that's what, and so whenever you're facing a major decision, whenever you're, whether it's at workplace or any place, you start by checking out God's owner's manual. This book was written to help you understand your life and get the best out of it. I heard one guy one time say, it ought to say instead of a holy Bible, grab all the gusto. You know? It ought to say how to have the best life. I've often thought that's true. That's what this book can do. Look what the Bible says here in Proverbs 2. This is after Solomon has said something like this. He has said, Do everything you can to get wisdom. Search for it like you would hidden treasure. And as you read Proverbs 2, he goes on and says, Search for it like silver and gold. He says, If you're going to go after something, go after something else besides a paycheck, in other words. Go after wisdom. And then he explains why. For the Lord grants wisdom, he says, his every word is a treasure of knowledge and understanding. And look look at the benefits here, he says. He grants good sense to the godly, his saints. Wouldn't you like to be known if somebody has some sense? Wouldn't you like to have somebody else say, you know, he's going to put in his two cents worth, and I'm not even sure it's worth that much. Wouldn't you like to hear somebody say it's more than that? Oh, let's get let's get his take. Let's get her her take on this. Let's find out what... Because they have good sense. They've got good judgment. Well, it comes from the Word of God. He grants good sense to the godliest saints. He is their shield protecting them. You know, when you use the Word of God on a regular basis, you're going to find your life's getting protected from so much. So much heartache. Protected. You, you're, it, it's a shield when you're attacked. He says, in guarding their pathway." He shows how... To distinguish right from wrong, one of the benefits is deeper understanding. And then he says this: How to find the right decision every time? You got a major decision you're facing? Why not check the Word of God? Check the Word of God. See what does the Bible have to have to say? Because in it you find His His Owner's Manual. How you tick? You find good sense, understanding, protection, joy, and great choices. You know, right now I've got to, I'm getting my phone out. Okay. Is it a sin to get your phone out at church? No. No, it's not. But if you were to take, and I don't know if you ever heard of this website. I use it all the time. It's called openbible.info. And you just type in, what does the Bible say about blank? For example, I typed in, what does the Bible say about work? And it's got, look, I know you can't see, but if I, look at all the verses. Look at all those verses. I know you can't see them. There's like 20, 30 verses here. Let's see, what are a few of them? Let's just read a few of them here real quick. Whatever you do, work heartily as if for the Lord and not for men. It says here, uh, in all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will succeed. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge, or wisdom in the grave, and that's where you're going. I mean, there's all kinds of if if you don't work, you don't eat. Whoever works the land has plenty of bread, but whoever follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. I mean, there's lots of things the Bible says about work, and all you got to do is just type in what does the Bible say, and they'll what does the Bible say, and they'll give you that you get that website. I sometimes start there. Because you're just smart. Let somebody else do the work for me. What verses did they find? It's like your own research team. But so, so you start there. You start with the Word of God. Now you say, now Tim, what are you, what are you trying to say? Well, listen to me. This is very important. I said this a couple weeks ago, and I'll say it again. Rick Warren said this in a lesson relating to work, and I agree with him. It goes like this Stop listening for a voice and start looking for a verse. If I want to work smart, I have to stop listening for a voice and looking for a verse. See, listening for a voice is lazy. Well, Moses did that. Yeah, and he brought down Ten Commandments. There was some written stuff. Well, David, did he listen for God's voice? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And, he, and he, there was a lot of Bible written what I guess I'm trying to say is, that for many of us, sometimes we, we get we're guilty of this. We're looking for a sign. I, I do. I look for signs. Man, there's been times when I go, Lord, would you just give me some kind of sign to to help me to help confirm to me that I'm on the right path? Give me some kind. Of, remember uh, what is it, um, uh, Bruce Almighty? Give me some kind of sign. Stop. You turn. You the whole truckload of signs. You know we're asking for the signs. Sometimes don't even notice the signs. I know Jesus said, it's a wicked and an an adulterous generation that looks for a sign. That's Jesus now. But Tim, you know, don't you wish that God would just give you a sign kind of right in the sky? Yeah. Yeah, I would like that. Give me a sign. But you see, God doesn't... Listen, I'm learning something here. That is that I'm not looking so much for a sign written in the sky because God has already written it in Scripture. And if I would just look, and by the way, I know some of us here, we go, Tim, that's hard for me. I know. You say, well, it's easy for you. It's not easy for me. I mean, I just showed you one of my cheats. One of my cheat sheets. I go online and what does the Bible say about And all these different people put all these verses in and it gets me started. And all I can tell you is it maybe if today if you said, oh, I'm going to start checking my Bible, it may not benefit you next week. But I guarantee you after a few months, you're going to have some insight you didn't have. It's just by checking out what's, what does God say. What's, I'm surprised how many of us don't even look to see what the Bible has to say. We're looking, we're listening for a voice instead of looking for a verse. Look at this passage in 2 Timothy 3. Paul said this to Timothy. He was a young man and had a job to do. Using the scriptures, the person who serves God will be capable, having all that is needed to do every good work. He says, using the scripture. Do you use the scriptures? Paul says, Tim, you've got to use the scriptures. By the way, I mean, I hope you, I hope you, don't you expect your preacher to use the scriptures? Don't you expect your preacher to know the Bible? Well, let me tell you what preachers expect. We expect you to know your Bible too. We expect you to read it. I love, I love the Lord's church. I owe, I owe the church of Christ. I was in a denominational church years ago. I only knew one verse in the Bible till I met a woman that knew more than one and challenged me. And I'd go to that church. I couldn't believe all the verses in the Bible this guy would use. What's he doing with so many Bible verses? You know, why does he have so many? How about he's used 35? Why so many? I walked away going, I guess he really is serious about what the Bible has to say. And I've watched some of you during the Lord's Supper. I I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I, I remember Jesus in the first service, so I'm remembering you during the second service. And I'm looking at all of you. I'm watching some of you with your Bibles open. It's awesome. I know we do this PowerPoint stuff, and and I remember used to hearing pages turn as we went through the Bible. I sometimes miss that, and oh, it's, uh, it gives me pleasure when I hear a page turn here once in a while. It's a it's it's a an infrequent, rare sound around here, but when I hear it, oh my, I, I just perk up. I appreciate some of you who bring your Bibles. You and I bring our Bibles. I know it's easy to go, well, why bring our Bibles? You're going to show us everything? I'm not going to show you everything. But you know, um, I just know using the Scriptures helps me serve God. And He gives me everything, and I'll give you everything you need for every good work. But it comes from you and I using the Scriptures. We're using it together today, but I hope you'll use it on Monday morning. When you're, when you're at work, when you start thinking about that. See, a little over seven years ago, I was at a bad place. I don't know what it was. I mean, And some of you fellas remember, I went to, went to a men's retreat one time and I was showing you my quiet time notebook, how sporadic the dates were. I wasn't in my Bible every day. And I'm not trying to get all legalistic on you, okay? The Bible encourages us to read the Scriptures every day. And I never could... I would have these spurts, but I... Oh, man, I really... And it seemed like whenever I was having, I I have trouble enough, but it seemed like it was amplified whenever I wasn't in my Bible. And so I made a decision that I was going to read my Bible every day, even if it killed me. I even thought it might kill me. I'm just going to do this, whether I like it or not. And there was a lot of times I didn't like it, but I did it anyway. And that's been, I think, over seven years ago. Been in my daily Bible, right now we're going through the book of Job. If you're following me, and uh, very interesting, and I'm learning so much. Like Gary said, I'm learning the same thing. I'm reading my Bible, not with such a preconceived, preformed approach. But look at what is the Bible really saying? I'm learning so much, and I learned that as I was going through this emotional roller coaster, and having lots of major decisions to face, I thought I better know the Word of God. I better know that. Because when I do, it will give me everything I need for every good work. And i got to tell you, it's kind of leveled me off quite a bit. Yes, I still have my emotional days, but not near as many. And I just feel—I feel like I'm making better and wiser decisions because I'm checking my Bible out. Do you check your Bible? I'm checking mine. Are you checking yours? When you face a major decision, guys, you've got to think of Scriptures and not look for signs. It's just that important. Let me give you something to think about. Maybe a caution here. Uh, uh, over the years, I mean, I'm still a Christian. I'm still standing somehow. I'm still standing. I'll tell you why. Because of that caution right there that the Book of Proverbs gives me. The Bible tells me to guard against making a decision based on a hunch, based on a gut feeling. Why is that? Well, the problem is, is that a feeling is not a fact. It's a feeling. Look at what the Bible says here. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Have Have you ever made a decision based on how you felt and it was a disaster? I mean, it ended with a crash and burn. Why? It was a feeling and not a fact. It was based on feelings and not faith in God's word, which is always true. It will not let you down. Look what it says in Proverbs 28 here. A man is a fool to trust himself. Well, thank you, Lord. Well that's the truth, Tim. You're a fool if you're going to trust yourself. Why? Because feelings are fickled. My heart, I can feel you know, I remember as a little kid. My heart's fickled. Your heart's fickled too when you stop Remember as little kids? We watch them today. They'll be fighting one minute, and the next minute they're friends. They'll be friends and playing, then pow pow I want to hate you. And then you're like, oh, I better get in there. And before you're there, they're friends again. Why? Because it's feelings. I don't know if we ever outgrow it. We have these feelings that we just, they move us all over the place. And that's why we can't trust ourselves. Many times we can't trust ourselves. But look what he says there's hope, though. But those who use God's wisdom are safe. They're safe. Kind of like that instruction manual I pulled out. It said, Operation and Safety Instructions, it said on there. I can can be blessed by the Bible. And it can, it can help me when I don't make a major decision based on a hunch, but make it based on a fact. In other words, I don't need to go with what my gut is always saying, because my gut could be wrong. Instead, I need to go with what God says. So let me ask you this simple question here. Just think about this. What are you currently looking in the Scriptures for? What is, what, you've got a major decision. You're, all of us here, I know most of us here, you're facing something right now. It's a major decision. Are you in the Bible? Tell you what. When you get in the Bible, you become smart. You work smart. Here's number two. I get the facts. I get the facts. I think we're lazy. We don't like getting the facts. Getting the facts takes too much work. I have to ask lots of questions. Why is he whispering? I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? We don't like sometimes we just are so lazy. We don't want to get all the facts, and yet if we get all the facts, it would help so much. How's that go? How's that phrase go? Before you cross the street, look. Why? Because if you don't, you're going to be roadkill. You're going to be a sail cat. What's a sail cat? Well, if you're the chapels, they used to look for roadkill. Jonathan and Jordan used to look for roadkill on vacation. And they'd send me pictures. Gary go, look what we found in Montana. This is f- cat that is just flat as a pancake. And sail cats, are they've been run over by a, by a vehicle. And they've been out in the hot sun so long that now they're, they're not gooey or anything. They're all dry. You can pick them up and throw them like a frisbee. And they sail through the air. Yeah, I know. I remember one time listening to Bill Hybels talk about he felt like that squirrel that gets run over on the road. And he says, I just, I was telling the church this, telling, I guess, and it was on the, our website. And all of a sudden he started getting in the mail these squirrels that had been run over on, mounted on these beautiful oak and walnut boards to hang on the wall. He said he was getting so many road kills. He said he, he said he had to tell people, stop sending me this stuff. He had them all over his office. Can you imagine that? But that's what happens when you don't look both ways. You're going to be a sail cat. So you get all the facts. Get all the facts. Look what the Bible says here. Any enterprise is built by wise planning becomes strong through common sense and profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. See, getting the facts starts you off right, but it also, you're able to build on something solid when you have the facts. And you're able to sustain what you're doing over the long haul. Look at what it says here in Proverbs 19 too. I I couldn't help, I had to have this one in the sermon today. It's dangerous and sinful to rush into the unknown. I wish it said stupid. (laughs) But it's dangerous. That's enough for me. And sinful. He goes, to rush into something without knowing the facts, without doing some research, you're asking for trouble. So what do I do? I find out everything I can before I decide anything. I do some research and check this out. I try to learn. Right now, uh, one of the things uh, last night, Chris and Debbie and... And Denise and I went to watch Sully, uh, the Tom Hanks movie about the guy who landed in Hudson River. There's one line, won't spoil it for you. Uh, there's one line that caught me, and he's remembering when he was a young pilot learning how to fly a plane, and his instructor said, "By the way, there's one thing that's very important." He goes, "What's that?" He said, "Pilots never quit learning." And I think, you know, I'm not saying all pilots that crash have quit learning, but I'll tell you what, it sure came in handy in that situation in the Hudson. And I just want you to think about this idea that we can't stop learning. The moment we stop learning is when we get in deep trouble. We need to keep abreast of the facts. You know, a lot of people don't do this. We, we make purchases. I know a fella that purchased a vehicle, got upside down in it. Got upside down, and I know, I know another person just a few months ago bought a house. Didn't ask anybody, didn't, didn't check it out, didn't do any research. This, the asking price, here you go, and he's about to lose his home. Three months ago, he purchased it. He's about to lose his home. Why? He didn't get all the facts. The Bible says, what a shame. Yes, how stupid. There you go. To decide before knowing the facts. Years ago, when I got involved in the auto glass business at the beginning of it, I thought I better read some books on how to start a business. You know, if I'm involved with starting one, I better better do some research here. So I got a book on how to start a business, and the first page it says 100,000 businesses start every year, and I went, oh, well that's cool. Flip the page, and it says 100,000 businesses go out of business every year. Oh. What does that mean? It's not easy. You better do some research. See, all the research I had was Proverbs. That's been my business handbook for years, Proverbs. It's been a good one. But as I did some more research, and I I read this this week, the U.S. Department of Labor says that 80% of businesses that start will die in the first year. 80%. Of the 20%, 80% of them will die after five years. Why? Well, one of the things that causes businesses to go down so quickly is they don't keep up with facts. They don't keep current. They get behind. They get behind. They quit learning. They quit absorbing. They get in a hurry. Listen to me. And I I almost said the bad word, young people. It's all people. We all get in a hurry. And we don't look both ways. And then this bus hits us and blindsides us financially, blindsides us career-wise, blindsides us ethically and morally because we didn't take the time to look both ways before we cross the street. Look what the Bible says here in Proverbs 23. Get the facts at any price. And hold on tightly to all the good sense you can get. He says, whatever it costs, whatever it costs, get the facts. Learn. Grow. They're beneficial. They'll make you smart. They give you good sense. Ray Kroc said these words, the guy that made McDonald's a household name, as long as you're green, you're growing, but when you ripen, you rot. And as long as you're growing, as long as you're learning... And guys, some of us here, it may mean I need to be reading more. It may mean I need to go to some classes. Maybe I need to go back to school. I need to take a seminar, listen to something online. Maybe I need to get with people, just some people, and learn from other people. Because as long as you're green, you'll be growing. But if you ripen, if you quit learning, you're going to rot. You're going to rot. So that's the second thing. The first is check my Bible. You know, Get into my Bible. See what God's perspective is before I do anything else. The second thing is get all the facts. Here's the third one. I seek good advice, and I want to emphasize good. I really want to emphasize the word good advice, because everybody's got advice. You can find advice anywhere. Everybody has an opinion. Am I right about that? Absolutely. Everybody's got an opinion. And the thing about this, and I know that for some of us here who are veterans here at Greater Alton, here we are going into a field that we always get kind of, ooh, here we go, seeking advice. And I'm not, Let's, let's listen, let's guard against being legalistic here. Let's look at a principle. Let's look at a principle here rather than get all rules oriented. You've got to seek advice. The Bible says it's wise to seek advice. And you get to decide. You still get to decide if you want to seek it or not. But let's look at these verses here a minute. Okay. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs 12. A fool thinks he needs no advice, but a wise man listens to others. See, most people, listen to this, most people would rather pretend they know it all and make a mistake than admit they don't and ask for help. Why does a fool not ask for help? What's his problem? He doesn't think he needs advice. I've talked to people, and probably some of you have talked to me, and the people I've talked to have said the same thing I've said when people are trying to help me. I know, I know, I know, I know. Sure, sure, I got it. Sure, sure, I got it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, when, I hear, when I start talking to one of you and you start going, yeah, yeah, I already know that. I already got that. I already got that. Guess what? I stop. Why well, go on? If you've got it, then why are you dropping it? If you've got it, why, why don't you have it? You know, why don't we just admit we all have blind spots? And we need that extra set of eyes. That extra person around. It's just good and sound. A wise man, a smart worker, listens to others. See, smart work is pooling together all the smarts of others. All them other brains. Two heads are better than one. And I'm not talking about listen, I'm not talking about go ask your buddy who'll tell you anything you want to hear. You got I got plenty of those kind of friends. Don't you? And listen, I'm not encouraging you to go and talk to somebody that can't stand you because they're not going to tell you what's accurate either because they can't stand you. Well, what are you saying? Look for people that will be fair and objective, and just tell you the truth. That'll be frank with you. The earlier just listen, the earlier you decide to do that, the better your life's going to be. The earlier you decide, I'm going to take advice, I'm going to listen to good advice, I'm going to seek good advice, the better off you're going to be. And let me encourage you also, as we talk about this, to also uh, approach people who have made similar decisions. Now, I'm not saying a person without kids can't tell you something truthful about raising kids, because after all, we've all been a kid Hello! You know, when a teenager says, you know, you need to work on your kids, parents. Why? Because they know what rebellion looks like. They don't have to have kids to know that. They're in it. They're dealing with it. And so sometimes it's good, you know, married people can give awesome advice, but I've learned divorced people can give, I say the word out of awesomer I've had more awesomer things said to me by divorced people than I've had married couples, to be honest with you. (laughs) I'll work on my English later. But you know what I'm saying? That's why I appreciate the divorced here or those that have lost a spouse. You know, one of the things they're going to cover uh, at 3 o'clock this afternoon at Vaughn Hill is divorce and death. And I have some people who have been divorced and have lost a loved one that are going to this in our zone. I want to encourage you. I want you to know, divorce and people have had a death. You're not out of the marriage advising business because you've experienced death and divorce, and you're single again. One time, I sat down with Don Yoder, and I said, Don, I said, tell me what not to do. Oh, Tim, you got a, you got a pad, you've got a paper, and he, ten things Don Yoder says don't do. Nine of them were really good. I'm just saying that's pretty good. But I've learned more. I got to tell you, I've learned more from some of you who've been divorced than I have those who've been married. Not to say anything against you, married people, but you know, guys. But, but but at the same time, what I want you to think about is is you ought to talk to people that are going through similar things too. You really need to talk to them. Um, they can really be helpful. Um, yeah, but Tim, what about trial and error? I mean, don't you think people? Um, Learn a lot from experiencing by trial and error? Absolutely. I've learned a lot, a lot, about, from trial and error. But, you know, we sure could save some time if we would just talk to other people who've made the same errors or made errors and, and listen to what they say. It, it would guide us and maneuver us through a lot of dangerous waters in our lifetime. You know, I love YouTube. Now I'm not saying I'm prepared to do brain surgery from a YouTube video. I'm not there yet. Okay? But I, I have worked on I've worked on cars, I've learned how to paint, I've learned how to do a lot of different things by looking at the wisdom of what other people can share. It's really been helpful. That's why I say why go through the process of trial and error when you can learn from the experience of others that are in your own backyard. Well, I'm thinking of moving. Talk to somebody that's, been, that's thought of that and done that. I'm thinking about having children. Well, you have to talk to somebody that's had children. That, that, would, that would help a lot. I'm thinking about going back to school. Okay. Uh, talk to someone that would be helpful, that, that has tried that or has thought of, that, done, of doing the same thing. Or I'm thinking about buying a house. What would you recommend? What would you do? You know, what do you think ought to be on our lips as much as Heavenly Father, help me do this, right? What do you think? God's given us each other lots of experience here to help one another with things. You know, i got to tell you, I've got to be honest with you, I've made my share of blunders. I've made some big blunders. And I'm probably going to make more. And, um, But you know, I've I've avoided some major pitfalls because I listened to someone else as they were were real honest with me. Now you say, well, Tim, I just, here we go. We're talking about seeking advice. I'm an adult. Yes, you are. Well, I think I know what I'm doing. Me too. I think I know what I'm doing. I understand. We all got that virus. We do. <laughs> you didn't catch it from anybody. You, you got it. You got it early in life. I don't know who you got it from, but we all have this. I could do this. Well, we all, listen, we all have blind spots. We all have those blind spots, church. And we need people in our lives. But seeking advice sounds wimpy. By the way, you never outgrow seeking advice. And I'll say this again. I've said it a thousand times, so thousand and one. Here we go. Seeking advice is not wimpy. It is wise. It just makes sense. Why don't we seek advice? Look at this here. It says here, If you don't ask for advice, your plans will fail. With me, advisors, they'll succeed. This week, my air conditioning failed. The A-coil, which is kind of like a radiator that's shaped like a V, that sits on top of your furnace, was was frozen with so much ice, it looked like, some of us know what this looks like, like a freezer from the 50s. It's just chunk ice and just... I'm thinking, what's wrong? So I decide I'm going to try to get the ice out. Now, my brother has has heating and air conditioning experience. Do I call him? King Heating and Air is on my cell phone. Speed dial. I know Mike Edwards personally. Mike and Karen Edwards, the owners of that business. Our kids grew up together. And he's worked on my furnace for years. Do you think I called him? No. No, I'm going to do it. And this is what I used. What is that, Tim? It's a teeny, weeny, itty, bitty screwdriver. And I, you say, well, what happened, Tim? It's not good. I get my little hammer out, and I think, oh, chip a little ice here, chip a little ice there. And I'm very careful. And all of a sudden, and this stuff's coming out. I think they call it Freon. I don't know why they call it Freon, because it's not free. And I call this my pride. This screwdriver now is worth $3,500. That's what it's going to cost me to fix my air conditioning. I'm thinking about putting it on eBay. You think anybody will buy it? 30, I'm thinking about... List on eBay, $3,500 for a screwdriver that messed up my air conditioning. Buy it now. I'll take 10% off. This is my pride. This is my pride. I paid $3,500 for my pride. And I got ripped off. How much do we pay for our pride? Why didn't I make that call? You know, my wife said, You know, I was going to tell you you ought to do that, but... You didn't ask. The Bible says here, too much pride causes trouble. Oh, really? <laughs> Be sensible and take advice. I seek it, I crave it, and I listen. It's, it's one of the greatest things I can do is, is ask somebody. Check out God's perspective, but why not ask someone else? What do you think about that? I'm thinking of doing this, but I'll look stupid. Let me tell you what looks stupid. This looks stupid. That's what looks stupid. I don't listen. I date this person. I marry this person. I buy this thing. I don't talk to anybody, and then I crash. You want to talk about looking stupid? Swallow your pride. You're not stupid. When you seek advice, you are smart. You're smart. Number four, I set a goal. If I want to work smart, I set a goal. Smart people work in a specific direction. They have a destination, in other words. Look what it says here. An intelligent person aims at wise action. If I'm aiming at a goal to do something wise and smart, man, I'd better be checking the word of God. I better be talking to other people, seeking advice, getting the facts. Make it my goal, in other words. Aims at wise action. Look what it says. But a fool starts off in many directions. Doesn't have a goal. Whenever you're make, listen, whenever you're making a major decision in your life, you need to set a goal. Now why? Because when you don't set a goal, you get nothing done. And that's simple, yet profound. If I don't set a goal, nothing gets done. I'll never accomplish anything. I ask a lot of couples over the years. They'll say, "We got engaged. Look at the ring. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, when's the date?" Well, not sure. I'm, I know that the wedding I did um, for Mackenzie and Sheldon were they engaged? How long, Denise? Were they engaged? Three years, something like that. Or two. Three and a half years. Three and a half years they were engaged. I think they'd known each other for seven. that right? About seven years, somewhere in there. I'm sitting there going, that's a long time. And as we're lining up, the grooms are lining up in the back, the groomsmen, and there's Sheldon. And then, you know, Mackenzie's up. It's at a golf course, so she's way over here. And and the bridesmaids, he can't see them. And he says, I'm like, Sheldon, what's wrong? He just tears. It's here. I can't believe it's already here. You've known that girl seven years. You were engaged three and a half. You know, can I tell you, I knew it was getting serious. I knew it was getting serious when I got that postcard that said save the date. That's a goal. Nathan or Matthew and Brian, Matthew and Brian, when they were getting married, they were talking about sooner or later. Brian goes, oh, let's just let's make it in May. And Matthew's like, oh, that far? That's a long time. And then, before you know it, we're having this wedding. And I notice this with most couples, maybe not all of them, but most of them, they go, man, it flew by. We had to get ready for this and this and this. You know what goals do? Goals, deadlines do. They make you take steps. They force you to take actual steps toward it. So if you don't have a goal, you're not going to get anything done. If you're going to go in all different directions without something specific, that's not smart work. That's not smart work at all. You gotta have a goal. Because a goal helps you set your priorities. You're able to break that that time between the now and the then into manageable steps that can actually get something done. Look at this here in Proverbs four. Look straight ahead. Solomon says this to his to his son Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. What's he saying? Have a goal. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Have a goal. Stay on the safe path. Stay with the goal. Don't get sidetracked. See, goals are powerful. They are powerful. They keep you motivated and they keep you on track. So I need to ask you a question. I need to ask you a January question in September. What are you saying? Well, you know how January is. I'm going to have goals, right? I've got some goals. You're talking about New Year's resolutions, no? I'm talking about goals. And I'm saying, and by the way, you say, "Well, I blew those goals." Well, it's dark. never too late to set some goals. Here we are in September. What are your goals? Why is that so important to you, Tim? Well, I'll just think about it. Do you have any goals for your life? Any goals for your family? For your children? Do you have any? Do you have any goals for the future? Your relationship with God? Do you have any goals that I by this time want to have this? I want to be able to do this? Or your ministry? Some of us here, when you set a goal, I'm going to lead a small group. I'm going to have a discipleship group by June of 2017. And you need to put it on a card and say save the date and get your picture on it. (laughs) Save the date. Why? That's the day I'm going to do... I'm gonna. I set a goal, and that's the goal date. That's the deadline. And between now and then, I'm gonna be doing these things to prepare for that. Amen. I think some of us need to just maybe. I'm not saying, don't send me a card, by the way, that does that literally. But maybe you need to do that. Put it on the icebox. I am going to. What's my goals for this church? Well, that's the leadership's. Yeah, that's their responsibility. What? That's our responsibility. What is the goal you want to see? What is the goal of this church for you personally? See, goals are powerful. Listen to me as we close here. One of the ways to tell if you have any goals is by simply looking at your plans. Do you have any plans? If you have plans, there's your goal. You say, well, that's right. Now, wait a minute. I know I can have plans sometimes and not have a goal. I'm just planning to maintain what I got. That's not goal-setting. But if you want to work smart, set something up in front of yourself and say, I'm going to learn this by this time. I'm going, to, I'm going to be able to do this and be trained to do this by this time. See, plans tell me what I'm aiming for and they reveal my goals. But if my goal is just to kind of go, well, whatever happens, it happens, It'll take life as it comes. What is that? What is that? There's no goals in that. You'll accomplish nothing. That's going in different directions. Some of us here, you know what you could do today to start setting a goal? Be willing, to, set up a, be willing to, to study the Bible with somebody and say, let's look at this. Let's look at a specific goal with your relationship with God. Because I'll tell you what, when you start with your relationship with God, and you make it a goal to get close to the Lord, that's, that, that goal there alone is going to help you so much with the rest of your life. Maybe, maybe you're somebody here. You go, you know. uh, My goal is I need to I need to come clean with what I'm doing and get it out and deal with it. You know, if you do that, you'd feel so free. God, God can take you somewhere with that attitude. He can help you so much with that attitude. Look what the Bible says at this last verse as we close: Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. You commit your work to the Lord, and those things you plan. By the way, when you commit yourself to the Lord, when you say, I'm going to to make a commitment to you, Lord, I'm going to seek you, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to do what you want me to do, it shapes your goals and plans and secures those plans. So this morning, in part one of a two-part sermon series, I want to... in this sermon sermon series, I want to ask you to make four commitments this morning. Will you be willing to make four commitments this morning? This is up to you. After what I've said, would you consider making these four commitments? The first one is that I make a commitment to look for a verse instead of listening for a voice. That I'm going to start looking at the Scriptures. This church, guys, is as healthy as it is deep. Deep. It's faith. If his faith is deep, it will be a healthy place. You know that's true. If it's just the leadership or just a few people that know their Bibles and everybody else doesn't, man, we are a cult. Not a very good one. Not a very good one. But man, if if you're guys, you're part of the problem and part of the solution. You see what I'm saying? Together, we make a commitment here that we're going to look for the verse. And not so get hung up so much into a sign or a voice. I'm going to check the Bible. Number two, I make a commitment to get all the facts. In other words, I'm going to make a commitment to be a student and be a lifelong learner. And for some of us, that may mean again. I'm going to rededicate my life to being a student again. The third commitment I want to ask you to make is to seek and to listen for good advice. To seek it. I know we forget and our pride will make us forgetful. Our pride will get us sidetracked. But as best you can, say, you know what? I'm going to make a con- Lord, help me to look both ways before I cross the street. Help me seek advice and help me to take it when I hear it. Really listen to it and consider it. And the fourth commitment I want you to make this morning is make Jesus your ultimate goal. You want to know the goal you need to have? Commit your, it says, commit all you do to the Lord. And your plans will succeed. Maybe you need to make a commitment to Christ this morning. Maybe you need to rededicate your commitment to Christ this morning. I don't know. But you know. And I pray that this morning we begin to work smart. You have a communication card in your bulletin. And then that, that gives you an opportunity to write some things down, maybe some thoughts or a decision you want to make. We're going to sing a song and give you that opportunity. And then after we sing that song, there will be one more song, and we'll collect all those cards along with our regular contribution from our membership. And I want to say to you again, if you're a guest, you're under no obligation to give. If you do, we promise to use it. We promise to be good stewards of it. Let's pray here, and we'll close out. Father, thank You for this morning, Lord. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the ethics, the work ethics You have in Your Word. Lord, I pray for us here this morning, all of us here, that we'll let these principles spill over from our workplace to every place in our lives, into our families, into our community, into our home, into our heart, Father, the deepest, darkest places that we need to just come to You with. Lord, with the, how we spend our money, with, how, with where we live and what we do, what, what we do in private, Father, that we, that we bring these kinds of principles. Lord, help us check our Bible. Give us, give us the courage, Father, and the faith to look for a verse over listening for Your voice. Huh, many times, Father, You speak to us so clearly in a verse. Father, we pray You help us get the facts that we just won't be lazy and just go, well, I don't know, I don't know, I guess I'll go with it anyway, that, we, that we'll take advantage of the, the sources around us to deepen our learning, to deepen our understanding. Father, I pray you'll help us seek advice. Father, I know some of us here, we have sought advice for years and have benefited so much. And thank you, Father, for those examples. But for the rest of us, Lord, we, we do, we 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 just hesitate with this. and And our pride, Father, just just gets the best of us. And Lord, I pray you help us humble humble ourselves and humble out and not not be afraid to ask another person, what do you think? What do you think? And be benefited by it, Father. And Father, I pray you help us set a goal. Help us aim at, for wise action. Help us mark out a straight path for our feet using your word. Father, let us commit. All we do to You, let that ultimate goal be to please You. Father, I know some of us are sick. Some people are not here this morning. Father, I pray You you give restore their health, take care of them. Father, some of us here, we're going through financial tough times. We're going through some emotional moments. Father, help us trust You regardless, knowing that You will. You will come through and You will take care of us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.